Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. We're doing things a little bit differently today because as of today, I have recorded one year's worth of episodes of the Find Your Awesome podcast. So to celebrate, I have my husband, Peter McDougall, here, and we're just going to have a conversation about what we've learned, experienced, what's changed over the last year. Welcome, Pete. Thanks for having me back on. It's good are to you, have you here. Are you, are you nervous about being interviewed on your own podcast? No, I, don't, I still don't think of this as an interview because I don't think of any of my conversations as interviews. I think of them as conversations. Yeah, that's good. I mean, they do certainly come across as conversations, which I think what's appealing about them, you're not just Q&A asking people stuff, you're, you're talking to them and you're finding stuff out about them. Yeah, for me, and this might just be my, my own story, but an interview is more like one person has the power. Yeah. And the other person is answering to that power. And I view each episode as a co-creation. Yeah, that makes sense because an interviewer tends to have the power about where the interview is going and the interviewee, sometimes it's like a combat of trying to figure out how to get your message across despite the questions being, and it's a, a bit of a give and take versus a collaborative process, which it seems that right. you would do. Right, and I also think that an interview would tend to have an agenda, mm -hmm. either by the interviewer mm -hmm. or their interviewee, either one. And yeah. it, like for my preferences, no one's got an agenda. Yeah, no, you clearly don't have an agenda no. when you go into these no. things. And I tell my guests that like, I say like, basically I have no idea what we're going to talk about. I have no idea where we're going. And the one question I make sure I, to ask people before we get started is, is anything off limits? Yeah. No, that's good to know. If you don't have any agenda, you don't have any guardrail. Well, you want to know what the guardrails are to make sure you don't accidentally fall into a gotcha question, which makes it awkward. And the person's like, well, I don't really want to talk about that, but I guess we're here. So, all right. Well, I have a couple of questions because I, I'm not as practiced at this as you are, but I, I wanted to, so a year ago, we, um, we weren't, we didn't have a home. Well, we had a home, but we didn't have a, a specific location. We were um, in between races, uh, in between nationals and worlds. And you were like, okay, I'm going to start the podcast. We were still living out of a camper. We didn't know how we were going to do this with the data, but you just, you just like, this is, we'll do it. Um, what expectations? Did you have expectations? What were your, I don't want to ask the question this way, but kind of, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So back up for anyone who's joining us at this stage in our journey. So Pete and I used to live in Maine. We lived there for 10 years, we sold our house in the fall of 2016 and we got in a camper and we traveled the country in a camper for 16 months until this past January when we finally bought a house in Sarasota, Florida. So when I got the idea to start a podcast, I had so many limiting beliefs of like, I can't start a podcast. 
from a camper. Wi-Fi is completely unpredictable. I don't want to get all these this fancy equipment. We live in a very small space. Like there's nothing else I want to add to this. And so of course I did what I do, which is I did it anyway. <laughs> and I started it with just using, I record all my interviews over Zoom and I just used the headphones that came with my computer. And then we added everything in GarageBand. So did I have any expectations? Oh, hell no. Yeah. None. I had, and I still don't. Mm -hmm. So I told myself that after a year, I would start looking at the number of downloads that I get. And I've only had, up until this point, I've only had two or three people ask me what my downloads are. And I've told them, I have a policy, I'm not looking until I hit a year. I've got 52 episodes out. I have zero desire <laughs> to, to look at those because I, I don't, two things. One, what information would that give me? Mm -hmm. I, I do these conversations because I love the conversations. Mm -hmm. In a sense, this podcast is an excuse for me to talk to people who inspire me. And then I have a habit of if I look at numbers that I don't really know anything about. No, if I look at numbers, I make up stories about them. Right. And I'll compare myself. All of a sudden, I won't be doing well. well it's, a, it's an interesting... It's interesting because it's similar to what I think a lot of people run into, where if you've got an external metric um, that's available to you, but you don't have to look at it, how many people actually choose to look at it in order to participate in what the kind of standard evaluation process is, even if it doesn't actually have anything to do with what the purpose or goal behind their endeavor is, whether or not that's uh, ranking or time or any of that, like so many people do things without caring because of only intrinsic stuff. And yet there, there's going to be an established metric or established, it, is it good or bad? And it's like, well, it doesn't matter because I'm not doing it for someone else to tell me it's good or bad. So I think it's interesting that you find yourself, you've given yourself permission to not have to look at it for a year. And you, you certainly, you said before, I think even on this podcast, rules are definitely there to be made to be broken and so you said all right i'm this is the rule i won't look until a year but you find yourself at a year and you're just like I, I made it a year without needing to know what these downloads and what's it going to change like there's yeah there's no real good and then, from it and this is something that i've bumped up against in other parts of my life in triathlon i've i know one race in particular where i had what was soon to become a stress fracture, but I didn't know that yet. I just had extreme calf pain going into the race. And so my only goal going into that race had been to be able to run pain free. And I achieved that goal. So happy. Looked at the times, like the initial finish, no problem. Went back and looked at the results again. And all of a sudden I'm being a total ass to myself. Yeah. And similarly, when I first launched my website, like a few years ago, I, of course, had access to the analytics and I looked one day and then I told my friend who's managing my website, oh yeah, so I looked at the numbers and I guess that sucks. And he was like, do you have any idea what those numbers mean? No. And he's like, by the way, they're actually really good. But I, at that moment, was like, okay, I'm out. I don't look at those numbers anymore because again, what are they going to tell me? I, yeah. And I know the more I look at, things 
things being numbers, the more stories I'll tell myself mm -hmm. about it. So if it's going to make me feel like crap, I'm not going to do that. I want to change gears a bit. Was, was starting a podcast scary? I feel like it should be, but no. <laughs> Is it? There's so much I didn't know going yeah. in. Like, and, and here's where I wanted to say a humongous shout out to you. Um, Pete has been doing all of the editing on this podcast for me, including feedback of like helping me be like that, that was a brilliant quote and, um, and other, like I asked him after each episode, like, how was that? what do you think? What were your big takeaways? So that's been enormously helpful. Also huge shout out to Jamie Clampett, who is my magical friend who actually gets everything up and to the right places like iTunes and Stitcher. Without you two, I think, I don't know if it would be scary, but it would be super overwhelming and heavy because what I love is I love inviting people onto the podcast and I love recording the conversations. I don't even really like writing the show notes. They were fun for the first like 20 or 30 episodes and then they became a bit of a drag. I do like sharing them and I love hearing people's takeaways. Thank you. Thank you. I, I am glad I am helping and helpful. Um, it's, it's interesting. I think maybe then you doing a podcast was scarier for me. Um, which is an interesting thing to admit. Um, because yes, I, I was, I, I help you with the editing. It's, it's a great opportunity to listen to all the shows with you, with the exception of one, I think that you outsourced the editing. Um, but wait, can I pause and just yeah. share that story? So Pete was doing a ton of traveling and I decided to try out having somebody else do the editing because what's the hard part of doing this podcast for me? It's, finding the time for Pete and me to coordinate, Pete and I to coordinate, um, for us to coordinate, <laughs> um, right to, to do the editing. And that's when I take notes on what to include in the show notes. Um, so coordinating that time and mm -hmm. then writing the show notes, those are the pieces that feel like a bit of a beast for me. Mm -hmm. And so I tried outsourcing the, the editing and here's what I learned. I don't like it because I really value that time mm -hmm. shared with you. And then I really, I kept wanting to say something later on, like, Hey, you remember it was the episode with Audrey Holst that I outsourced. And so I wanted to say like, Hey, remember when Audrey said this? Oh, right. You weren't there. You didn't get to hear it. And then writing the show notes was just kind of a, ugh, cause then I had to go and listen to the episode by myself, yeah. which wasn't fun. And didn't necessarily save any time for you because that could have been done at the same time as me editing it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so the, the fear element is interesting because as you said, like we, we've learned a lot and including learning how to edit in GarageBand. The story that I tell myself is that I have to make it good. Like it's, it's because, and so the whole thing was very scary. This concept of like, I would be helping be partly responsible for you creating this product and that, I realized that scared me. Um, and I'm glad we've gotten to a year without it all blowing up. <laughs> well, and there's been some that have been really challenging, right? When, so my friend Nicholas Storage is also, he is still a full-time nomad. 
So when we recorded an episode together, he was in a parking lot in the boonies. Yeah, no, we were hurting yeah. on his phone and we actually lost signal once. And so it's those episodes and then Katie's Ferris. Yeah. That one cut out a bunch too. Yeah, that's it's very that's very stressful. Um right, so so looking back at a year, you've interviewed a whole ton of really inspiring people from all walks of life, from all I could honestly not, other than inspiring and having really interesting stories to tell, I certainly couldn't go around grouping them into a cohesive category. Um, are there any themes? Are there any things as you look back at the full year's worth of, of uh, interviews that you can kind of tag as something that's repeatedly come up no matter who you're talking to? I think, I mean, I can't guarantee that it's something that has come up in every single conversation. Bravery. Mm-hmm. So like every single person I've talked to is brave as fuck. Mm-hmm. And I just, that's what inspires me so much. Mm-hmm. That's really, so I think what this podcast is about and maybe, maybe what I'm about is fear mm-hmm. and recognizing and owning fear. And like, even as I talk about this, I can feel, I can feel my body responding. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm close to tears right now, just because these people inspire me so much and, and they show such a wide range of fear. I do, I don't ask it in every episode, but I do love asking, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to me that people, people answer, you know, these people have done big things, huge things. And you think like, oh, I know what the scariest thing. It was leaving their corporate job or, I don't know, leaving their husband. And it turns out it was hand gliding. <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, it's not what I was expecting but good on you really that's fascinating because you've done other things that I think most people would think that's really scary but that makes sense it makes sense that that I mean you are in some ways the common denominator the common theme throughout all these interviews and as you described these are people that inspire you and and the whole like having having been coached by you and and having you discuss coaching clearly helping people identify that fear and overcome fear. Um, you know, I say that fear, whatever that fear is for them, whatever their big fear is, whatever their blocks are. Um, that would be a major thing because, I mean, you often talk to me about, we have, we have a choice of making our decisions out of fear and, and out of love. And so what it seems like you're identifying, you know, people who are overcoming fear, you are identifying all these instances where all these people are choosing love. They are, they are setting aside fear and they are choosing love. And I think that is, um, that is something that you, it resonates with you and it seems to be something that you really work to help people do. And that would make sense then that that's what you're attracted to in terms of you know, uh, interviewees. Yeah. One of the things I remember really early on in my coaching career, having a conversation with somebody and I think asking like, what are you afraid of? Or that's not how I worded it, but more, what are your fears? And she said nothing. Hmm. And well, I mean, because I'm me, all I thought was liar. (laughs) (laughs) Comforting, comforting, comforting. Um, but, but it, what I think, it, what it showed me is that 
we aren't aware yeah. of our fears. And what I think is really important is I don't think we can have bravery. I don't think we can have courage without seeing our fears, without being conscious of our fears and recognizing that I'm not talking about jumping out of a plane in fears. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, and I've said this before, that's cool and it's scary and we've done it for your birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm talking about picking up the phone fears. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, I just posted about this with regards to the time trial I did, the bike time trial I did last week, that I'm talking about that resistance that like, oh, I'm in my comfort zone right now and it feels so good. Mm-hmm. Do I want to take that jump? That's like the resistance that we all face every single day, that we have a choice every single day, what we're going to do. Well, and that's, I think what you just said is the key to understanding why what is scary to one person isn't necessarily scary to the other and how that impacts the decision of if someone's being brave or not. If, if someone isn't afraid of going and doing a time trial, like they've done it a hundred times a year to them, it's just whatever. Like they get out, they, it's like crossing the street to get the mail. So doing a time trial is not brave for them because they're not overcoming any fear. But for someone for whom a time trial represents fear and it represents out of their comfort zone, then that is brave. And so I think one of the things that we collectively as a society often miss the mark on is assuming that there is a common thread that defines bravery and trying to therefore ascribe people as brave or not based on a fixed thing. Yeah, I think Natalie Yoon said this really well. She said, she said that she, what she did wasn't brave. It was her only choice. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. either a transition or kill herself. Right. She didn't feel brave at all. Right. And I think that's another piece of it is we get to define, we get to define what's brave for us. And I think we also get to define, like, I can say that I'm really inspired by Natalie's actions, that I'm really inspired by, and bravery isn't the right word here, mm-hmm. but still I am inspired by what I perceive as her bravery. And I think what you just said, the way, the way you modified that, that it's, it's the similar tool that we use when we're talking to each other about the story I'm telling myself. It doesn't actually change what you're trying to convey, it just clarifies it. So your perception of bravery, um, and I think you, you, you find that a lot when you listen to interviews of people who get the Medal of Honor, um, you know, or people who saved a, a kid from a river. And they're like, I am not a hero. This person who's seeing a kid drowning in the river, they act, they do. And it's, to them, they, they didn't have a choice. They were just choosing, they, they took the only path that seemed reasonable to them. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that those people are fearless. Right. Because I don't think, I don't think fearlessness exists. I think moments of fearlessness exist. Right. Right. Well, moments of fearlessness where you've been able to put aside your fear, you've been able to deal with it, compartmentalize it, however it is, you can... Well, I think if you're totally in flow, True. you are fearless in that moment, but it's not sustainable. Like, as right. much as I would love to live in flow. But, um, but at the same time, if I lived in flow... 
I don't know if I'd be able to have relationships. Right. You probably wouldn't eat very much. Like, yeah. You disconnect from the world, basically, because right. that's kind right. of what flow is. So I think, like, my conversations are about bravery. I think they're also about saying, like, it's okay to be scared. It's normal to be scared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the other interesting elements, themes that I've seen is that you often end up talking to your interviewees about alignment. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a theme that is, that sits just below bravery, because I think a lot of the times what has inspired you about their story is when they've had the courage to see when they weren't in alignment and to make a choice to bring themselves into alignment. Right. Because, because I believe that everyone has within them this unique, completely unique spark. Mm-hmm. And that I call that they're awesome. That is why this is the find your awesome podcast. It's not by accident. No, it is because, um, so that awesome is something that throughout our lives, we're told to hide, mm-hmm. to stifle. It's like, no, you should do this. You should be like everyone else. You're supposed to follow these rules. And when we're following all the, the quote-unquote rules, doing all the stuff we're supposed to do, we are not letting our own awesome shine. So what the, my guests are doing is they're, they're letting that awesome shine. They're... <laughs> not doing stuff for other people right they're shining their own bright light which is interesting because when you say it like that they're not doing stuff for other people there are i think a lot of people who might hear that and call that selfish Mm. and it's actually not necessarily wrong doing things for yourself making a decision for for based on what you want i think is is a, a critical element of being in alignment and being brave because all too often I think people do feel the need and feel pressured into making decisions that are the right ones for other people. That one was allowed. <laughs> I think, um, I want to answer that, but let's just take a moment to shout out to Austin and Kat yes. right now for the Thunder Cookies that are making this a little less scary for yes. Makai. Makai is currently underneath our chairs and shaking, but if he did not have already partaken of the uh, Austin and Kat's cookies, he would be in our laps and barking at us. And if you guys missed that episode, go back and listen to it. There's also a code for 50% off an yeah. order of Austin and Kat. Okay, so back to selfishness. Um, so I feel that selfishness is really just caring for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's making sure mm-hmm. our buckets are full. It's... Um, it's nourishing our souls mm-hmm. because each soul is unique. We're all in this together. We're all on this wild, wacky journey and none of us have any idea what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And yet we're all like pieces of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And so by nourishing our own needs, our own souls, we are able then to inspire and empower and serve others. So I don't think if we, we can truly serve, inspire, and empower others without taking care of ourselves first. Yeah, it gets back to the whole, you know, you've got to put your oxygen mask on first because if you don't take care of yourself, then you will not be available to 
to help others. Um, and what, all right, so one year down, one year in the books, what's the next year gonna bring? Do you have aspirations? Are there any, anyone that you wish you, like, you know, your kind of your wish list of who you'd love to include? <laughs> all right, so a bunch of big questions. What's in it for the next year? I have no idea. I really, I have no outcome goals. For this process, it's just the process. Mm -hmm. It's just about creating inspiring content for my listeners. Period. Like, I just want to, I love listening to podcasts that inspire me. Mm -hmm. And I just want to share that gift with other people mm -hmm. and share all these brilliant people with other people. I, um, I was asked months ago who was on my wish list to have on my podcast. Mm -hmm. One of those people was Sarah True. I have already talked to her. She was like 10 episodes ago. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that conversation. I would, I think I would have every guest back again. I'm loving meeting more people. Who else do I want on there? I want Michael Gervais, mm -hmm. the host of the Finder Mastery podcast. I mm -hmm. would love, I have a lot of questions for him. I've been listening to his podcast a lot and I've got, I really would love to have a conversation with him. Is there anyone out there who knows him or knows someone that knows him, you know, do your magic, reach out, post it, do whatever. Cause that would be, I think that would be really cool Thank you. because I think you, you have a real gift for having genuine conversations with whomever is on the other end of the phone. There's no, um, there is no set of questions other than a couple that you said that you, you know, generally ask, but it's a conversation. And I think that, you know, through the podcast that you've sent my way that, that you thought I'd enjoy, but they tend to also be interesting conversations that don't necessarily go in with a script of, of what they are going to discuss. And I think that's really what makes, has made podcasts such an interesting medium for so many people because it really feels like you are sitting in on a conversation for the ones that are done well. Um, and, I think, and I think you particularly do that well as well. Thank you, thank you so much. I have no idea what I was going to say in response to that because I forget your question. I think well, there actually the wasn't. I don't think there wasn't, in fact, a question there. I think the question was to everyone to to reach out to Michael Gervais and see if he's if he'd be willing to join us. I mean, that's what I was going to say. That it reminds me that while like I can bangle girl over Michael Gervais, I don't think he thinks he's famous because he thinks he's just a sport and performance psychologist <laughs> and big deal. I yeah, I think he's really cool. Um, and, and Sarah True posted on Instagram recently that their neighbors, so she's married to Ben True, who's also a professional, he's a professional runner, and their neighbors just think they're this crazy exercising couple with a coffee contraption <laughs> and, and like derelict lawn duties. And they have no idea, like basically people are people. Yeah. Everyone, everyone is afraid. Everyone is brave. Everyone has comfort zones. No one has any idea what they're doing. Right. And I think when we meet people there, there's, well, I've certainly never really been one for hierarchies 
at all. I remember back when I was coaching um, a big group of swimmers, somebody saying to me, do you know who that is? That's like the CEO of this big company. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I still need her to keep her like yeah. tighter together when she kicks. <laughs> but she's not kicking right, so what does that mean? Yeah, it, it's true. And I think that we, as part of the stories that we tell ourselves, these people that we admire from afar, we create stories around them that they have their shit together or that they are doing this thing that we find so incredible. One of my favorite stories about my dad, where he had just done the marathon or was about to do the Montreal marathon. And uh, one of my brother's very fast friends who does like a two hours and 30 or sub marathon. My dad was talking to him over a beer. It was just like, ah, you know, that's so impressive. I could never imagine running that that fast. And the friend, the really fast friend was like, I I'm impressed. I can't, like, I can't imagine running that long. Cause I think my dad was doing like a, plus four marathon, four and a half or something like that, maybe even five. Five and a half, I think it's um, And so, so he was impressed with this kid who could run really fast, and the kid was really impressed because my dad clearly had this incredible will to just pound out a marathon for five and a half hours. And I, it, it just always is a reminder that we wrap ourselves up in stories that, oh, that person is so impressive because they do X, Y, and Z. And that's just one facet of their life. They're way more complicated than that. And who knows what, what they're feeling in the rest of their parts of their life or even in that part of their life. They may only be seeing the frustration that they didn't do as well as they wanted to do while you're just kind of saying, wow, that was, I could never imagine going that fast. So I think the other thing, what you're, what you're making me think about is, well, the stories we tell about everyone mm -hmm. and how... Okay, so it's totally normal for all humans. Yeah. That's how we make sense in the world. But to notice the mm -hmm. stories you tell about certain things, someone posts something on Instagram and you find yourself like getting angry or annoyed or you just feel your energy shift. What's up with that? So mm -hmm. what is the story that you just told? And it can be really empowering if you say it out loud. If you, if you feel it and you recognize it and then you say, oh, the story I'm telling myself mm -hmm. is that she has her shit together. She has like just everything going well for her. And I think it's, I think it's actually pretty hilarious that we have that. That's a human thing to have that story about other people. And it's not true. No one has it figured out because in a way there's nothing to figure out. This, mm -hmm. This journey is about learning new things every single day. And I think, that, I think that's the key. The, the having your shit together or figured something out is ascribing an end mm. to it, uh, a completion, a, all, the, all the little plastic men in the game of sorry are up in the top of the column. Um, you've got all the money in, in, and all the property for Monopoly. Like there's an end to the game. And, and in this, there's no end because- There's no end to Monopoly. There is. <laughs> um, and I think that's it. People, people catch themselves in that, in the story that it, if they just get to something, some point, some outcome in the future, then they'll have their shit together. Then they'll be able to take a rest. Then they'll be able to pause. And 
and that's just it. That, that never comes because life isn't supposed to be like that. Life is not designed like that. We don't live our lives like that. There's always new things. There's always new learning. And if you truly do achieve some state where you have nothing, you, you are learning no new things and are, are, have complete control over it, well, how boring is that going to be? Yeah. That, yes. And if you need to pause, pause. Mm-hmm. Like if you need to pause, it pause might be now. It, yeah. Like there's so much value in that pause, and I think we tend to feel that we need the pause most when we're just spinning our wheels, when we're forcing, mm-hmm. and instead of allowing, we're just trying to push, 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 and that's exhausting. Well, and that's something that you were saying about the um, the power of just saying out loud the story I'm telling myself is it's it's um a manual way to be present and to see almost step outside yourself and look at yourself as if you are evaluating how you are existing in that moment and i think that is one of the things that i found as a very useful tool that meditation was allowing me to do where making that separation we've talked about as well separating reaction and response is by stepping out and seeing the whole process unfold and recognizing that there's a choice in that moment. And so by saying the story I'm telling myself is in essence, in order to actually ask that question, you have to step outside yourself and recognize that, that there's a process that is independent of the moment that's going on right now. And so I think like that element where it, it allows you to, it, it has that power. Um, I think applies to a lot of the things that we've even talked about today, you know, whether or not it's the selfishness in the sense of doing something for yourself because you're able to step outside yourself and see you as part of the equation, as opposed to only seeing everyone else, you know, the kind of classic forgetting to count yourself in the room. Um, But also the fear and also the, you know, all of that ties into being aware of yourself as a thing that is present in the environment and interacting with the environment. And I think anytime that you can step out of yourself by saying the story that I, either through meditation, through your personal practice, or that story that I'm telling myself, I think is a very effective tool um, to, to manage that, to, to kind of get practice in doing that. Um, and I think a lot for me personally, a lot of the people that you've spoken to on this podcast have different ways of describing that, have different ways of, of arriving at that, um, and have different scenarios that they've applied that in. But it seems like they have succeeded in part because they've been able to step back and look at themselves from the outside at key points in their lives and said, I have a choice and I'm going to choose this. They they are in that moment. They are present, whatever that moment might be across these different things. I think that's one of the cool things in aggregate for your podcast is your conversation with all these inspiring people is it just shows that there are many paths to being inspiring and, you know, look at all of them. And, And so if you're finding your own path, like you don't have to do exactly the same thing that one of these people has done, have done in order to be inspiring in order to kind of achieve that awareness. Um, it's not prescriptive. It's, it's just basically an indi- indication that any path you take, so long as it 
keeps the goal in mind will we'll get you there. You just said so much, so much. <laughs> <laughs> and not even a question. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to respond to, I wanted to respond to a bunch, but I already lost that. I, the whole idea of it's not prescriptive. I, I think that's one of the things that draws me to this process is I really, truly don't believe there's a right way to do anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that the right way is to do it your way. And every single one of us has our own way of doing things. And when we step into our awesome, when we own our unique greatness, we do it our way. And that's when it feels like ease. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things that, that draws me to this process is hearing all the different ways of doing life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because one of my big pet peeves is people telling other people how to do things. Right. Because it's, it, they can tell you how they've done things, mm -hmm. but it may or may not work for you. Most likely won't. Like you've got to at least adapt it a little bit to <coughs> your way of being. Yeah. Just because someone succeeded on a path does not mean that that specific path is the right one for you. Um, and it has been abundantly clear that you do not like finding following the paths that other people have shitted you towards. Um, no, I shoulds are shitty. I, you know, I've tried mm -hmm. so many times in my life mm -hmm. to follow the path, and and I tried it throughout, well, my entire childhood and into adulthood. I tried it when I started my business. Mm -hmm. I, I knew nothing about business, so I did all the things I was supposed to do. And then I spent the next year dismantling everything that I was supposed I'm, to do. Undoing and, Yeah, and just did it my way. Yeah. But I mean, that, that references the, the, the other theme that I saw, which is the alignment element, is that when, when you do it the way that you're supposed to do it, you are in alignment with yourself. And I think that... Again, that's what a lot of these people have. Not to say that they're in alignment across the entire board. We're, we're always struggling with that. And I mean, we're complex creatures in a complex environment. So um, there's no, no reason to be surprised by the fact that this is an ongoing struggle. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of these people that you have managed to interview over the last year have succeeded in that effort of finding the path that works for them. Um, specifically and then that no matter what you call it alignment or or authenticity or you know all of the buzzwords but um, it, it's it's inspiring because I think we all recognize it we recognize it in others and it's inspiring because it's great to know that if someone else can do it then then it's there for us to achieve as well all right so what have you learned from this podcast adventure from this one year or just the adventure that we've been on for the last 45 minutes or so? And did you learn something from this? Like right now? Not, not that I can process on this time okay. frame. I was just um, asking about the last year. I, I think it's helped me develop my own mindfulness practice um, because it's, it's, again, as I said, it's, it's shown me that so many people have arrived at you know, alignment and awareness through different paths and it looks different for different people, that it has taken a lot of the pressure off 
to be the Hollywood version of what, you know, a meditative mindfulness practice might look like. Because it's, it's even in the, the Michael Gervais uh, podcast recently that you, uh, you had sent me, I can't remember who, uh, Michael Rosenbaum? Yep. Um, where they were discussing that, you know, for a while when Michael Rosenbaum was starting to meditate and he heard his dog's collar, he used to get all frustrated because that was distracting. But then he realized that being aware that the dog's collar was tinkling and then saying, I'm aware of it, and then going back to that, that was the epitome of being present. And so I think there is a perception, a story that I certainly held was meditation and mindfulness was, you know, peacefully floating in the void and, and you ignored everything that was going on around you. Um, when in fact that was not the reality that I experienced as I developed, you know, as I practiced meditation. And so I think talking to a lot of these people, I'm starting to see everyone's reality in meditation is slightly different and that's fine. That's the point. We're all different. So we all, our minds are all different. Um, and so I think that has helped me, um, that has helped me in my, my journey, my practice, my development of mindfulness. It's interesting because I don't know if we've consciously talked about mindfulness in many episodes other than like Melissa Mayer and yeah. Brian Kalchuk, I think. I don't think, I don't think so, but, but it's, you know, people being aware of what they're doing and, and so much of, I mean, mindfulness has many different names, can be called many different things. And I think that's, again, even just reinforcing that lesson for me is that it's not everyone has a mindfulness practice, but some people may have something else that essentially, essentially serves the same purpose. It's all just about being present and being aware and being, you know, uh, intentional with, with what you're doing. On purpose. On purpose. Do you have any more questions for me? Uh, let me see. Oh, that's a good one. Um, what is the greatest compliment you've ever received about your podcast? Uh, so, because I have zero idea how many people listen to my podcast. Mm -hmm. um, except for that, I know that my parents don't listen anymore. They dropped off after episode two. I know that you don't listen beyond the editing process. So, I love getting notes from people mm -hmm. saying and they usually sort of i was listening to your podcast and and i'm like you were listening to my podcast <laughs> full that's stop amazing. that's awesome oh my god yeah that that is such a gift for me yeah because yeah because i have no idea i put this out into the yeah into the universe and it magically ends up in people's ears yeah so that's it just just it's finding it. It's connection. Like what is, yeah. what is probably the biggest thing in my life is connection. Mm -hmm. And for me, connection is that um, it's a two-way energy transfer. Mm -hmm. And so hearing from people that listen to my podcast, that brings the energy back to right. me. Yep. That makes sense. <clears throat> so anyone listening, if they want to drop a note to Kelsey <laughs> to say that they love listening to the podcast, I'm sure that would go over very well. Yeah, that would make me happy. Anything that you want to add about a year? And just one more shout out to 
everyone I've had as a guest on the podcast so far. Um, thank you guys so much for being brave and taking this adventure with me. I know some people have been a little nervous when I'm like, I don't know where we're going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I have gotten so much out of each conversation. Every one of you has been such a gift. I think it shows. I think it shows. I think the quality of each individual podcast reflects that connection that you develop with the person that you're interviewing because you are genuinely there and you're genuinely interested about what they have to say about whatever it is they want to talk about and, and wherever the conversation goes. And I think it's, it feels really real. And I think that's what people resonate with. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for giving me a shot in, in the interviewing chair. Um, this was a lot of fun and I would be welcome to do it again sometime if you need. Thanks for being on my team. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com, and there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.